This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of gout from the basic science section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Gout is a form of inflammatory arthritis caused by intraarticular monosodium urate crystal deposition that typically presents with recurrent acute exacerbation of joint swelling and severe pain. Diagnosis is made by joint aspiration and crystal analysis showing strongly negatively birefringent needle-shaped intracellular crystals. Treatment for acute gout attacks is NSAIDs, with chronic gout being treated with allopurinol and medical management to reduce uric acid. Now, let's get into the episode. As far as the epidemiology of gout, recurrent attacks are seen in men from ages 40 to 60 years of age. As far as the location, gout is usually seen in the lower limb. Pedagra is arthritis that attacks the great toe. Crystal deposition as tophi can occur in the ear helix, eyelid, olecranon, and Achilles tendon. Risk factors include chemotherapy. Moving on to etiology, there are two forms of gout, primary gout and secondary gout. Primary gout is an idiopathic disorder of nucleic acid metabolism that leads to hyperuricemia and deposition of monosodium urate crystals in joints, which is a purine breakdown product. Secondary gout is associated with a disease with high metabolic turnover, for example psoriasis, hemolytic anemia, leukemia, and chemotherapy. As far as the pathophysiology of gout, it involves dysfunctional nucleic acid metabolism causing hyperuricemia. It also involves deposition of monosodium urate crystals in the synovium of the joint. Crystals lead to an inflammatory response activating proteases, prostaglandins, leukotriene B4, and free oxygen radicals. Associated conditions include renal stones and septic arthritis. Keep in mind that the presence of uric acid crystals does not exclude septic arthritis. As far as the presentation of gout, patients may have symptoms of pain in the joint, it can resemble septic arthritis, and they may also have symptoms of renal stones. On physical exam, patients may have decreased range of motion due to pain, and they will have a white toothpaste-like appearance of tophus aspirate. As far as imaging, recommended views on radiographs include an AP and a lateral of the affected joint. As far as findings, you may see punched-out periarticular erosions with sclerotic overhanging borders. You may also see soft tissue crystal deposition, otherwise known as TOFI. As far as other studies to obtain, labs should include a serum uric acid. However, an elevated uric acid is not diagnostic as 80% of people with an elevated uric acid will never have a gout attack. Crystal analysis is extremely important to the diagnosis of gout. The diagnosis is made by joint aspiration and crystal analysis. Monosodium urate crystals are thin, tapered, needle-shaped intracellular crystals. They are yellow when aligned parallel to the red compensator, and blue when aligned across the direction of polarization. They are strongly negatively birefringent. So again, as far as the crystal analysis for gout, monosodium urate crystals are thin, tapered, needle-shaped intracellular crystals that are yellow when aligned parallel to the red compensator and blue when aligned across the direction of polarization. And they are strongly negatively birefringent. The treatment of gout is different for acute gout and chronic gout. Acute gout can be treated with indomethacin versus colchicine. It could also be treated with oral, intraarticular, or IV glucocorticoids. Indomethacin versus colchicine is the first line of treatment. The dose for indomethacin or indocin 
is 50 milligrams TID. This is an NSAID and inhibits phagocytosis. Colchicine is indicated in acute attacks if the patient has a history of peptic ulcers. It inhibits inflammatory mediators and can be given intravenously. Oral, intraarticular, or IV glucocorticoids are indicated when the patient is unable to take NSAIDs or colchicine. In the setting of chronic gout, allopurinol is indicated as the first line of treatment for a chronic gout attack. Allopurinol is a xanthine oxidase inhibitor. Colchicine can also be used in the setting of chronic gout for prophylaxis after recurrent attacks, and it's up to 85% effective. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 65-year-old patient who recently underwent abdominal surgery for a diverticular abscess is referred for right knee pain and swelling for two days. Physical examination reveals a temperature of 38.3 degrees Celsius and a heart rate of 105 beats per minute. Clinically, the patient has a red, hot, swollen right knee. Synovial fluid analysis shows a yellow color fluid with cloudy transparency, low viscosity, a white blood cell count of 83,000, and 86% PMN cell count. Polarizing microscopy shows needle-shaped negatively birefringent crystals. What is the most appropriate next step in management? And the choices are 1. Obtain an MRI of the knee. 2. Begin allopurinol therapy alone. 3. Begin empiric intravenous antibiotics. 4. Give an intraarticular steroid injection. And 5. Obtain a rheumatology consult. The correct answer to this question is 3. Begin empiric intravenous antibiotics. So this patient presents with symptoms and findings highly suspicious for superimposed septic arthritis and gout. This patient is likely going to need to go to the operating room for emergent irrigation and debridement, which is not listed as an answer choice. Because cultures have already been obtained, the most appropriate next step in management would be to begin empiric intravenous antibiotics. While the incidence of superimposed gout and septic arthritis is low, at approximately 1.5%, it is reported. In the presence of crystals on aspiration, one should not rule out the possibility of septic arthritis. If there are other risk factors for infection, or the synovial white blood cell count is high, that is greater than 50,000, then empiric antibiotics should be initiated immediately after cultures are obtained. If the patient has other evidence supporting septic arthritis, such as a positive gram stain or purulence, emergent IND is indicated. Even if the initial suspicion is lower, if they have not responded to antibiotics after 24 to 48 hours, they should undergo IND. Shah et al. investigated 265 crystal-positive joint aspirates in a seven-year retrospective study. They found the incidence of concomitant septic arthritis and crystal disease was 1.5%, four cases including two knees, one hip, and one ankle. All four patients that had superimposed infection had a white blood cell count of greater than 50,000. They concluded that the presence of crystals in the synovial fluid cannot conclusively rule out a septic joint. Schuend et al. described a case report of concomitant septic arthritis and gout of the wrist. They found the cultures were positive for Staphylococcus aureus, while pathological examination revealed aggregated crystals of monosodium urate. Moving on to the next question. A 55-year-old male has severe knee pain and swelling for two days. He denies nausea, vomiting, fevers, or chills. 
On exam, the patient has an erythematous knee with a large effusion. He has pain with attempted range of motion. Radiographs are unremarkable. White blood cell count, CRP, and ESR are within normal limits. The knee was aspirated and the white blood cell count was 20,000. A specimen from the aspirate demonstrates monosodium urate crystals that are negatively birefringent crystals. What is the next best step in treatment? And the choices are 1. Begin empiric antibiotics. 2. Begin oral NSAIDs. 3. Begin treatment with allopurinol. 4. Emergent irrigation and debridement of the knee. And 5. Obtain serum uric acid level. The correct answer to this question is 2. Begin oral NSAIDs. So this patient has an acute gouty attack, and the best treatment at this time is the initiation of an oral NSAID, such as indomethacin. It is clinically difficult to differentiate gout from an acute septic joint. Arthrocentesis and joint fluid analysis are used to diagnose both conditions. Crystals found in the fluid are suggestive of gout, though they may also cause an elevation of the synovial white blood cell count. Patients with an acute gouty flare may not have elevated serum uric acid levels. The treatment of acute gout is generally with indomethacin or colchicine for those who cannot tolerate NSAIDs. Chronic gout is treated usually with allopurinol. A similar scenario may be encountered with pseudogout. The treatment approach is similar with the addition of a corticosteroid injection acutely. Choi et al. performed a review to determine the links between dietary and other factors and the incidence of gout. They report that red meats, seafood, beer, and liquor increased the risk of gout while total protein, wine, and purine-rich vegetables did not. They also note that dairy products may be protective. They conclude that adiposity, weight gain, hypertension, and diuretics were all independent risk factors for gout, while weight loss is protective. Moving on to the next question. The diagnosis of gout can be made either by the presence of tophaceous deposits in the skin or bursa of the extremities, or by the presence of which of the following? And the choices are 1. Elevated urine pH. 2. Elevated serum uric acid. 3. Calcium pyrophosphate crystals in the synovial fluid. 4. Monosodium urate crystals in the synovial fluid. And 5. Elevated serum phosphate. The correct answer to this question is four monosodium urate crystals in the synovial fluid. So gout is an inflammatory arthritis caused by the presence of monosodium urate crystals in the joint. It is characterized acutely by a painful joint that remits after one to two weeks and recurs periodically. The diagnosis of gout can be made by confirming the presence of monosodium urate crystals in the joint fluid aspirated from the inflamed joint. Patients with gout may also have tophaceous deposits within the skin or bursa of the extremities. Elevated urine pH, serum uric acid, and serum phosphate can all be associated with numerous conditions and are not specific to gout. Calcium pyrophosphate crystals are associated with chondrocalcinosis or pseudogout. Moving on to the next question. A 45-year-old woman has had intense pain in her foot for the last three days. She also reports a mild fever and difficulty with shoe wear. Examination reveals a swollen, slightly erythematous warm foot with tenderness at the great toe metatarsophalangeal joint and pain with passive motion of the joint. An AP radiograph shows punched out periarticular erosions with sclerotic overhanging borders. Which of the following will best aid in determining a definitive diagnosis? 
And the choices are 1. Gadolinium Enhanced MRI of the Great Toe. 2. Serum Uric Acid Level, C-Reactive Protein, and Erythrocyte Sedimentation Rate. 3. Serum Rheumatoid Factor. 4. Aspiration of the First Metatarsal Phalangeal Joint. And 5. Fasting Serum Glucose Level. The correct answer to this question is 4. Aspiration of the First Metatarsal Phalangeal Joint. So the patient has gouty arthropathy of the first metatarsal phalangeal joint. This definitive diagnosis is achieved with aspiration of the joint and polarized light microscopy that shows needle-shaped, negatively birefringent monosodium urate crystals. Differential diagnoses of infectious arthritis and pseudogout are also definitively made through joint aspiration. Although rheumatoid arthritis is a possibility, a serum rheumatoid factor is not always diagnostic, and a patient with rheumatoid arthritis may have concomitant gouty arthritis. The radiographic findings are not typical of diabetes mellitus or of a patient with Charcot arthropathy. And moving on to the final question, an 83-year-old woman reports pain in her left middle finger after a minor injury. Laboratory studies show a white blood cell count of 7,000, an erythrocyte sedimentation of 3, a uric acid of 10.4, and a normal serum protein electrophoresis. Radiographs of the left hand show a non-displaced transverse fracture at the base of the middle phalanx of the left middle finger, as well as punched out periarticular erosions with sclerotic overhanging borders, both at the base of the middle phalanx and the base of the proximal phalanx. A core biopsy specimen demonstrates acute and chronic inflammation with prominent clefts. In addition to treatment of the finger fracture, treatment should include, and the choices are 1, colchicine and indomethacin, 2, radiation therapy to the left hand, 3, systemic chemotherapy, 4, IV antibiotics, and 5, through-the-wrist amputation. The correct answer to this question is 1, colchicine and indomethacin. So this clinical picture is most consistent with periarticular erosions from gout. The patient has multiple periarticular lytic lesions in the hand. The laboratory studies show an elevated serum uric acid level, and the biopsy specimen demonstrates acute and chronic inflammation with prominent clefts. Therefore, the preferred treatment is systemic control of her gout. Radiation therapy, chemotherapy, and or amputation should be considered for a malignancy. However, the pathology does not demonstrate any evidence of pleomorphism, high nuclear to cytoplasmic ratio, nuclear atypia, or mitotic activity. Antibiotics for an infectious process is a consideration, but the minimal elevation in the white blood cell count and erythrocyte sedimentation rate does not support an infectious process. That's all for this review about gout. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.